What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Wellpreneur Online Podcast, episode 30. That means the podcast is finally a grown-up. It's got a mortgage, it's got responsibilities, it's feeling the weight of the world on its shoulders. Okay, not quite, but I think 30 is about when you really start to hit your stride, right? At least for me, that was when I really started feeling like I was who I was supposed to be. And so I hope that's happening to the podcast too. I feel like it is. And I'm just loving being here with you every week. So I'm very happy to be back. And it's the middle of summer, which is fabulous. Hope you're getting lots of nice weather wherever you are unless you're in the Southern Hemisphere, and then I guess it's winter. But for those of you here in London, it's been lovely. So this week, I'm speaking with social media expert Holly Wharton. And Holly's business is called Socially Holistic. So she works with entrepreneurs with heart-centered businesses, or shall we say heart-centered business owners on really building an authentic business and especially focusing on social media. And so I'm going to talk to Holly about some specific issues that you guys have really highlighted to me that are big, big issues for you, which are mainly how to really use your time efficiently on social media. I hear from so many people that it's just taking up tons of time. You don't feel like you're seeing results. You just feel like you're wasting time on social media and it can really feel overwhelming. And that's what I'm going to get into with Holly is to talk about, you know, how can we specifically figure out what platforms we need to be on, where our ideal client is hanging out, how to measure if we're being successful, and then some tools and tips for how to really automate social media and how to use it effectively so you're not spending all of your time on social media instead of actually doing the stuff that you need to do to build your business. Now, don't forget that you can get all of the links that we talk about in this episode back in the show notes on my website, which are at wellpreneuronline.com slash 30, three zero, right? And that's where you're going to find links to all of the tools and websites that we talk about, because as we get into the social media automation, we really start talking about different tools and, and it gets a little bit advanced. So for those of you just starting out on Twitter, you know, forgive me for those few minutes that we really get geeky about social media automation, but I think a lot of you are really going to love it because, because that's what you've been asking me for. And I know that's a, a huge question. So let's jump into the interview with Holly Wharton. Hi, Holly. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me as your guest. So for everyone out there, it's pretty funny because Holly and I are both in London and we're both American. Isn't that nice? <laughs> and we actually met, I think we were referred by another podcast interviewee, wasn't it? Yes, I think we had originally, um, I, I, I don't know how I originally found you. It was online, but then at a, a mutual podcast guest also um, kind of referred us to each other. So yes, that was great. And we started chatting and we just hit it off because we had lots to talk about, about online marketing and being Americans, living abroad and, and all sorts of fun things like that. So yeah, <laughs> I'm really glad you can join me. So anyway, what I really want to talk to you about today is about social media. And something that I hear a lot from um, the audience is that 
social media feels really overwhelming. Like there's so much that you could do and so many new platforms and new strategies that you hear about. And it can just be really overwhelming to find the time. Like you, it feels like you could spend all day on social media. Oh, you definitely could. <laughs> but would that be beneficial to your business? No. <laughs> no. And I think a huge trap is that sometimes you feel like you know, you feel like you're sort of, quote, working because you're on social media when really you just kind of get sucked into the Facebook vortex and like, you know, half an hour goes by without knowing what happened. So I'm really hoping you can kind of, you know, give us some tips around this as we're talking today about how to make this manageable and effective. Yeah, that's I think that's so, so important because so many people, I mean, I think this is the number one complaint that I get from people that I work with you know, before we start working together is just how to manage their time on social media, because it can just be a black hole because it's so much fun, you know, and you're meeting people and you're engaging and you're getting to know people and you're having conversations. And then, you know, as you said, before you know it, just hours could have gone by. It's not directly generating money for your business. You know, it is an important part of your business marketing and your strategy, but it shouldn't be the only thing that you're doing. So if you're spending hours and hours a day on social media, that's probably just not the most cost-effective thing you could be doing for your business. Mm -hmm. So I, I'd love to start off by talking about kind of the real fundamentals, which is how do we even decide which platform we should be on? That's a great question. And I'm very much of the idea that you should not be on every single social media site. And it's funny because a lot of people, when they meet me, will say, oh, you'd be so proud of me. I'm on every single social media site. And I just think, you know what? No, I'm not proud of you because you're wasting time. I mean, your ideal clients are probably not on every single social media site. And so you do not need to be spending time on that. So my questions are that I help people answer is, first of all, you need to get really, really clear on who your ideal clients are and who your ideal joint venture partners are, because those are the two main groups of people you want to be connecting with on social media. And I find that a lot of people that I start working with aren't 100% clear on who their ideal clients are. Or maybe they have a vague idea, but they haven't really, really spelled it out in terms of creating that ideal client avatar or persona or whatever you want to call it, where you really dig down into the details and get clear on who these people are. So that's the absolute first step. You need to be 100% clear on who your ideal clients and JV partners are. Once you've gotten clear on that, you need to think about where they are, where they're naturally spending time online, which social media sites are they already using? Where do they naturally hang out? Because those are the sites that you need to be focusing on. And you do not need to be focusing on every single site because they're probably not going to be spending time on every single site. Yeah. Oh, I love that you said, where are they already hanging yes. out? Because that's something that, that I talk about quite a bit is rather than trying to lure your ideal client to where you want to <laughs> be, just figure out where they are and go to them. Exactly. And I think this is something that a lot of people are approaching, as you say, from the opposite way. You don't need to just lure people to where you are, you need to go to where they're naturally spending time online because it's not like your ideal clients have just discovered the internet and and so they're going to want to go where you are. They're already spending time somewhere. So you need to figure that out and go to them. So how how can we do that? I think for people out there listening, you know, probably when you said figure out your ideal client, everyone's like, oh, because and I completely agree with that advice. I mean, I am constantly talking about ideal clients, but it's like, you know, we always hear that. Yeah. But I think people aren't really I guess we're not putting in the work. It's hard to yeah. figure out who our ideal clients are. I think a bit scary to say this is my client, this isn't and narrow it down. Yes. So when people are going through that work, how do they figure out exactly where they're 
you know, what, what would you recommend to find out where your clients are? Well, first of all, I recommend putting some time, like slotting some time in your calendar to actually do this work. Because as you said, we can be really, really resistant to it. Because first of all, it involves niching down into a specific audience. And and especially when we first get started out in business, it can be so tempting to just be like, no, I want to work with everyone because how can I possibly say no to people? Or how can I, you know, it, it's so... I think daunting to focus on one particular niche and and think that you're saying no to the entire rest of the world because it's kind of scary. But that is what's going to help you be more successful in business. So just set the time in your calendar to actually do this work and get clear on this. And in my online social media course, I do a whole module. The first module that we do is who are your ideal clients? So you really just need to focus on who are your favorite clients that you work with? Because if you've already got a few clients, even if they're just practice clients, think about who you most enjoy working with. Look at, you know, things like demographics and psychographics. So, you know, are they men? Are they women? What age group are they? What are their main problems? What are they struggling with? What do you most enjoy helping people with? What can you help people with? And then psychographics are the things about why they're buying your products and services. What's the the emotional motivation behind it? And again, that goes back to you know what their pain and and their suffering is. And and I hate to hate to be kind of make it sound negative like that, but people are seeking you out because they're suffering from a particular problem, and and that's the problem that you can help them with. So you really really need to get clear on exactly what issues you're going to help people with, and then again get clear on just simple things like demographics. Think about your favorite clients. How old are they? If you work with other business owners, what stage of their business do they need? to be in, things like that. There are a number of questions you can ask yourself, but you just really need to narrow it down to different characteristics of these people. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I I like what you said is that you don't want people to be on every social media platform because their ideal client isn't on every social media platform. Mm. But it also occurred to me that, you know, if you're on every social media platform, you're probably not doing a very good job at engaging in any of them. Exactly. Because it, you just can't, right? You just don't have enough time. To... No, it would be a full-time job. <laughs> and and that's not your business to be on social media full-time. And I think that's the most important thing is, you know, I always say to people, pick one or two social media sites really focus on building a strong community on those two sites. And then later on, if you want to expand, that's fine. But don't try to be everywhere at once. Narrow it down to one or two sites. Get really, really good at building your tribe there and then expand. So start narrow and then expand rather than starting everywhere and then kind of narrowing it down, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm curious to hear your opinion on this because when you're first starting out, you know, you have like zero followers or yeah. zero fans <laughs> or you have like five, you know, like your mom and your dad and your best friend and whoever. <laughs> And so it can be, it can feel really like frustrating, like you're not getting anywhere because you don't have 20,000 Twitter followers or, Mm. you know, 5,000 likes on your Facebook page. So what are some of the metrics and the ways that people can see that they're being successful with social media, you know, without just looking for the follower numbers? Yeah. And and one of the things that we um, call follower numbers and and likes and fans, those are vanity metrics. So they, they look good and they feel good, but just because you have 3,000 followers on Twitter doesn't mean necessarily that you're getting results in your business. And I think that's a really, really important thing to call out. It's not about the number of followers or fans or likes. It's about the quality of your followers and the quality of the connections and the relationships that you're actually building with these people. So 
Yes. In the beginning, it can be really, really quiet and kind of lonely. But the important thing to look at is, you know, are people commenting? Are people sharing your stuff? And in the beginning, again, this is just not going to be happening at the same level than it will be, you know, several months down the line once you've built a community around what you're doing. But try to look at what kinds of things people are engaging with. You know, when you get people liking your posts or retweeting your tweets, what types of things are they engaging with? And try to do more of those things. If you have a particular blog post that gets, you know, maybe a couple of, of comments, try to do more things like that and try to get really, really clear on what it is that people most need and want from you. And that can be simple as, again, looking at what's performing well and doing more of that, or it could be about asking them. And I think that's a, one thing that people, I don't know whether they're afraid to do or they just don't realize how powerful it can be to simply ask people, whether it's on social media or asking their ideal clients after a session, maybe that they've had with them, you know, what, what more would you like to learn? What would you like me to blog about? What questions do you have? How can I help you, you know, through through my blog posts or my videos or whatever type of content it is that you're creating. So just really be sure that you're delivering what it is that they need and they want. Yeah, that is so important. I think everyone out there listening, this is such a brilliant takeaway tip is this week, if you can ask your audience what else they want to learn from you and just see what they say, you know, email mm. it out, ask it on social media or ask what their biggest challenge is with um, in their business right now or in their life, you know, whatever it is that you're working on, whatever the problem is that you solve, ask them what their biggest challenge is with it. And you'll just be amazed at the feedback you get back. Mm, Even yeah. if it's just a few, it's still hugely insightful. It's so much better than just sitting in your office and thinking, hmm, what should I write about? Or what, <laughs> what are they interested in? You know, it's much better yeah. just to ask. And also look at the um, the analytics on your website because it can be really, really interesting and useful to see what search terms people are using to arrive at your website. Some of them will be totally random, but a lot of them will be, how can I do blah, 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 or how can I solve this problem? Or there'll be really specific things that people are searching for that ended up your, at your website. And those are things that you could be blogging about in the future. You could do a blog series on it. You could do, you know, maybe just a single post on it. But that gives you the concrete information as to what people are looking for, because that's how they arrived at your site. Oh, definitely. So let's, uh, I'd like to switch gears a little bit. And so we've sure. picked our social media platform. We've decided, you know, the one or two <laughs> where our ideal clients are. How can we best use our time so that we don't, we're not spending all of our time on social media mm. so that we can really fit it in around a busy growing business? Excellent. Well, first of all, I think that you should not be spending more than five or 10% of your work day or your work week on social media. So if you're working eight hours a day, you know, do the math on that and figure out what your maximum 10% of time should be, or whether you plan things daily or weekly, but that is how much time you should be spending on social media. So what I often recommend to people is that they set them, uh, set a timer, set that time in their schedule Focus just on social media for business during that time. Don't get distracted by personal posts and really, really focus on your business during that time. And if you feel like that's not enough time, then maybe that just means that you need to be scheduling more of your posts or outsourcing some of your social media activities or, or that kind of thing. But as far as live interaction, I don't think you should be spending more than five or 10% of your, your working day on social media. Mm -hmm. What about automating social media posts? Mm, like, I think that's really, really important. And I think that's one huge thing that a lot of people aren't doing, but could be doing to reduce social media overwhelm. So there are some things that, of course, you can automate to go out, like if you regularly tweet or share, I don't know, inspirational quotes, 
or maybe tips and suggestions that are related to your business, blog posts, other types of content, any events, webinars that you have coming up. If you do follow Fridays on Twitter, you can automate all of those things, or you can outsource and have someone else automate them for you. But the one thing that you can't automate is conversation. And to me, conversation is a big part of social media, because to me, social media is all about getting to know people and building relationships. So it's important to to realize what you can and what you can't automate. But I do believe that what you can automate should be automated. That is such a good point in that, because I I also am totally on board with the automation, but you've still got to spend some time almost every day, if not, you know, three times a week, just engaging Mm -hmm. on there chatting with people because otherwise you're basically just using social media as like a broadcast like look at me look at me look at me and that's not that's not really the point of social media it's to develop relationships exactly and I always say to people social media is all about being social that's why it's called social media and not broadcast media that's one of the reasons why a lot of people aren't seeing success with their social media marketing because they're just broadcasting. They're not actually taking the time to get to know individual people and build relationships with them. Mm-hmm. So in terms of social media automation, what, what tools do you like? I use a number of different tools. On Facebook, I usually use Facebook's program post feature to automate directly on Facebook just because I find that easy and and it's it's easy to program everything directly on Facebook and just make sure that it's going to look exactly how you want it to look in terms of the image that you upload or, or video and that kind of thing. For Twitter, I use Hootsuite and I use Hootsuite exclusively for Twitter. I absolutely love Hootsuite. I've been using it for probably five years now. And I think it's excellent, especially if you manage more than one Twitter profile. And Hootsuite, of course, can be used for other social media sites as well. It's just I, in particular, am using it just for Twitter. So that's an excellent way also to manage to manage different streams because what you do in Hootsuite is not only can you automate it to program uh, tweets and, and posts to go out to social media, but you create different streams of information. So you can see tweets that you've sent messages that people have sent to you, all kinds of things on Hootsuite. So you actually set up these different channels to see different types of engagement and and interaction that can make it really, really easy for having those conversations with people on Hootsuite. Right. So you're actually using Hootsuite to view, to see your Twitter streams too, to see your tweets. Yes, exactly. And another thing that Hootsuite has, and Hootsuite, of course, has a free function, which I think is excellent for people starting out. I used it for free for years before I upgraded to the paid version. One of the great things about the paid version is that you can upload spreadsheets of tweets, and that is something that I do every single month. So what I do is I create, uh, for example, all of my content, like my Follow Fridays. I create one spreadsheet for all my Follow Fridays. I send out Um, follow Friday tweets for all the women who've been on my podcast, other friends of mine in business, people that I think are amazing. Those get scheduled out in a spreadsheet and they, so I don't have to think about them on Friday, you know, every time Friday comes around and I'm helping spread the word about other people. Same thing I do for podcast and other blog posts, content, tweets, and things like that. I just create a whole spreadsheet of things to go out. And so that automates a great deal of my Twitter. And so when I go on Twitter every day, I can just be focusing on having conversations with people. Right. And just do the fun. And that's the fun stuff. Exactly. All the interacting. So actually, a couple of episodes ago, in episode 28, I was sharing with everybody my schedule for the week and how I manage my social media and my blogging and my newsletters and just kind of my, my schedule. So I was wondering, 
And I, I hadn't told you about this in advance, but that <laughs> just occurred to me now. I don't know. Do you have a schedule every week of like certain things you do? Or like you said, you once a month pre-schedule out all your follow Fridays. Are there a few other things like that you could kind of share with us about your weekly schedule of how you get it all done? That's a really, really good question. I do have things kind of divided into daily, uh, weekly, monthly types of activities. So daily activities for me are conversation. Weekly activities are looking to build my network and connections of people. And then monthly activities are looking at analytics and looking at the numbers and seeing what I need to do more of and what types of things I need to either do less of or let go of altogether. So for me, I just focus on social media in the mornings because my brain tends to function best in the evenings as far as creating content and doing really focused things. My brain kind of turns on and goes into laser focus around 5 p.m. till about 10 p.m. So so that means that mornings are my social media time when I'm, you know, going on Twitter, checking out comments on either Twitter, Facebook, all my social media platforms and responding to questions, responding to comments, has started striking up conversations with people, that kind of thing. That's the kind of thing I do every day. And I do it in the morning because that's when my brain is less focused for other kind of more difficult tasks. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So that's what works for me. And then also I subscribe to a number of blogs. And so I'll go through those and I'll read those on a daily basis. I will tweet those out. And I use Feedly to subscribe to all of the different blogs that I read, which is an app that um, I will use to read more, usually on my iPad, because I can just scroll through it like a magazine. And then from there, I use Buffer to tweet out the most important or most interesting blog posts that I've read. So that also helps me share other people's content. Oh, that's really interesting because that's why I switched from Hootsuite to Buffer, actually, because I love doing that. It's just, you know, when I'm out finding articles mm -hmm. on the Internet and blog posts, just to add them to a buffer. Yes. So you both. use both. I use both. Yes. <laughs> but Ooh. I use them differently. Tell me, tell me, because I have found that sometimes it's a bit inconvenient to like try to like if I want to make sure I tweet each podcast episode every day, it's kind of a pain in Buffer to drag it around. it gets, And so I think it might, maybe using both is the solution. <laughs> well, it's the solution for me. So it might be the solution for you. So Buffer I use exclusively for, like I said, when I'm out and about reading on my iPad, all of the blog posts, I've got my Buffer hooked up to that. And so I'll buffer out all of, all of the blog posts that I find most interesting and useful. And I absolutely love this. It's just so easy because it integrates so easily. And um, I'm constantly meeting people in real life and getting comments from them about how they love following me on Twitter because they know that I always share interesting, useful, and relevant content, whether it's mine or someone else's. So I, I love that because I keep getting validation that people love the stuff that I'm tweeting out. So yes, so that's good. And Buffer makes that really, really easy. I will also sometimes use Buffer when I'm on Twitter itself and I'm retweeting. Like I have a number of different Twitter lists of people that I follow, whether it's just because I've got my eye on them, because I want um, to invite them to my podcast, or I just love what they do, or you know they've been on my podcast, or that kind of thing. So I go through those Twitter lists, and these are people that share really, really interesting and useful content and tweets. And so I'll often buffer directly from Twitter my retweets of their things. So again, so I'm just not retweeting a whole bunch of, you know, a whole block of things. But then, like I said, for Hootsuite, I use it completely differently. I will update my, upload my spreadsheets once a month. I usually do it the last day of each month. And they're regular spreadsheets of tweets that just go out every day of the month. So 
I'll update right. them on a monthly basis, but that really, really helps get the bulk of my tweets out there and scheduled throughout the day, which is good. So it's very complimentary to what I'm doing on Buffer. Right. Ooh, tons of good tips in there. <laughs> Sorry if any of you are total newbies at Twitter. This is getting quite... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of advanced Twitter. Kind of an advanced (laughs) Twitter conversation. But if you're into social media automation, definitely check out Hootsuite and Buffer. And yeah, and I don't know, I might start experimenting myself with going back to Hootsuite a bit. So yeah, you've got to find what works for you. And I think that's the important thing. I mean, if anyone takes away, you know, one thing from this podcast episode, it's you've got to do what works for you. Because, you know, going back to what I said in the beginning about how who are your ideal clients, where are they naturally spending time online? Once you've determined where they're naturally spending time online, you need to focus on just the social media sites that you enjoy using. Now, if you absolutely hate Twitter, or you just don't get it, or you, you, you just absolutely can't stand it, but you know that your ideal clients are on it, that doesn't mean that you need to be using Twitter. Perhaps your ideal clients are also on Facebook and Pinterest. So maybe you need to be fo- focusing there. So I think it's really, really important to do what works for you because your engagement is going to be more natural and you know, effective there. Yeah, ultimately with everything in business, I mean, it's your business, right? So you mm-hmm. need to do things that don't do something that you hate and, and that feels <laughs> completely, you know, inauthentic every time you're doing it, because I think it will show if you really hate Twitter, your tweets aren't going to be short and funny and, and <laughs> fabulous. They're going to be robotic or <laughs> exactly. resentful. Yeah, exactly. So Holly, I love to know, I like to ask lots of guests this, if you can recommend like a business book or an inspiring book, something that was really influential for you in your life and, and growing your business. Do mm, you know, I go through kind of ups and downs with business books. Like there are times where all I'll read is business and marketing books and then I'll just kind of stop and let my brain rest for a while. Do you know one book that I read years ago when I was in my previous business was my um, The E-Math, which is an excellent, excellent book. Have you read that? Yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so great. And I think that's just a great kind of general business book. And it was something that really, really helped me kind of rethink what I was doing in my business and how I wanted to be running my business. And, and the, of course, the fact that I was kind of, I'd created a business where I absolutely had to be there. And I think it was having read that book really, really helped me setting up this current business because I realized what I did not want to do in my new business. You know, I wanted to create something where I could be location independent and I could just create it on my own terms and and be able to step out of my business and, and help, you know, get people to outsource things. And, well, and- the, e-myth, the e-myth is all about, I think that's where I first learned of the concept of working on your business instead yes. of in your business. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. And that's really really game changing. I've actually, I have to stop myself because sometimes I see, even just in my community, I see small business owners and I just want to like buy them a copy of that book and like leave <laughs> it anonymously, like at their, you know, at their little shop or something, because I'm, I just feel like it could really, just having that mindset shift yes. from employee to business owner is, is absolutely huge. It's huge. And just because you're a solopreneur does not mean that you have to do every single thing yourself. On the contrary, you need to find the perfect people to outsource things to. And to get the help that you need. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, so are you outsourcing anything in your business? <laughs> yes. Well, I've got a podcast as well. And I do have a podcast editor for my podcast. Because from the very beginning, I knew that I just did not want to get into the whole world of audio editing. So I've got that. I outsource some of my social media, obviously not the conversation, because I believe that that absolutely has to come from you. But some of the automating stuff, I will outsource. What else do I outsource? Of course, my accounting, because I don't 
do not want to do my own taxes and that kind of thing. But just the podcast, the podcast thing is, is huge. I mean, that's just, cause I actually like, I ran a podcast, oh gosh, back in like 2006 or something. And I did all the editing myself and like, I love it actually. It's really fun to go back and snip out all the little mistakes. (laughs) And, but you know, when I was going to start this one, I just thought, you know what, that is not what I need to be doing. Cause I need to be like either developing new products or working with clients or finding more new clients or, I mean, Mm -hmm. actually the business stuff, right? Not yeah. sitting around as fun as it might be to sit around and, and editing all the audio. So <laughs> just just simple things like that. You know, yeah. that's kind of like a business owner decision. You have to say, okay, there's some things I like doing. Some things you outsource like accounting because you just don't want to do them. Yeah, exactly. Um, but other things you might like doing, but you still have to say, you know what, is this the best use of my time? Yeah. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, that's a really, really good point. Because another thing that I've recently outsourced and this was a huge decision for me was outsourcing my Facebook advertising because, you know, I'm a social media person. So I felt like I should be doing all this myself. And of course, I know how to set up Facebook ads myself, but do I enjoy it? No, I can't stand it. What I like about social media is meeting people and engaging with people and building relationships. I don't like setting up ads. So I've recently found someone who worked at Facebook for years and she's you know been doing this for years with huge clients and she's now running my Facebook ad campaigns for me and I absolutely love it. Mm. <laughs> so and that was one thing as I said because I'm a social media person I felt like oh I should really be doing this myself but but no. Yeah. Oh yeah. that's that's great. Yeah, isn't that funny that we assume just we we all have assumptions about ourselves and what we need to be doing. And maybe Mm. we don't need to be, we personally, maybe we don't need to be doing those things in our business. So exactly. And I think it was, I think it was Mari Smith who um, I was on a call with her earlier this year. And she mentioned something about some company that she uses to outsource her, her Facebook advertising. And I went, Oh my God, Mari Smith, Facebook expert outsources her Facebook ads. (sighs) And then I thought, well, of course she does. She's got this huge business. She's not going to do it herself. Obviously, she's going to give them guidelines on what she wants, but she's not going to do it herself. So that it was like hearing her say that kind of gave me permission or allowed me to give myself permission to outsource that as well. So, mm-hmm. yes. Love it. Well, we're getting to the end of our time together, but can you let us know where we can find you and definitely mention your podcast too, in case people want to hop over and listen to that? Yes. Well, my business is called Socially Holistic. And so you can find me at sociallyholistic.com. And there I've got links to my podcast. I've got also a 90 minute social media training that you can download, which is all about seven ways you might be wasting time on social media and how to stop. So that's very relevant to what we've been talking about today. And you can also find me on, I hate to say this now that I've said how important it is to um, to focus on just one or two social media sites, but I'm on pretty much everywhere because that is my <laughs> business. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter at Holly Wharton, that's W-O-R-T-O-N. You can find me on YouTube, Pinterest, Facebook um, is Socially Holistic, LinkedIn. So you can find me just about everywhere. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Holly, for coming on the show. It's been great chatting Thank with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this interview with Holly Wharton of Socially Holistic. Now, we talked about a lot of tools and resources during this interview, and you can find all of those back on my website in the show notes, which is at wellpreneuronline.com slash 30. And if you enjoy this podcast, please do not keep it to yourself. 
spread the word, tell your friends, and even tweet about it. You can tweet me at Vintage Amanda and spread the love about the podcast. So I'm wishing you a fabulous week with loads of success in your wellness business. And I will see you back here next week for the next episode. 